Corinthians 4. Um, and this Sunday we're going to continue with Apostle Paul's exhortation to the church, to the body of Christ, to basically walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You know, Paul's saying, hey, this is you. For three chapters, he's been talking about all the amazing things that we are in Christ, right? So many amazing things, the blessings and, and the adoption as sons and and, you know, like we're redeemed and we, we've been restored and all these amazing things that's been done for us in Christ. And then in chapter 4, he's like, all right, now that you know what you are, now start to live your life. Walk in a manner worthy of the, the calling that you've been called to. And he's been describing the church the way that the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church, the group of individuals, you know, and when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a group of individuals from like, you know, from the beginning of the church to the to to the last person that's saved. You know, like imagine you're the last person that was saved right before Jesus comes back. You're like, oh, I believe in you, Jesus, and he's like, here I am. And you're like, ta-da! And then you just look back, and there's this there's this group of people that stretches back to like like the 1920s, and and even before the 18th, they're all dressed in their like you know like their their weird 1830s clothes, and you know there's people from like you know the 1400s and all, like people that have believed and put their faith in Jesus as a body of Christ. And we're going to stand together before Jesus. And, 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 and he's saying that, like, hey, this is, this is a church, right? The church is not a building. It's not, it's not a, an, an organization. The church are people. It's the body of believers that will stand before Jesus one day. And he's saying this is what you're supposed to be. Right? These are, like, non-negotiables, right? When, when people get, who, who has non-negotiables, like, I remember our church when we were young and no, nobody was married yet, right? The, the girls would talk about non-negotiables all the time, right? We'd all get, we'd sit in the cafe and then girls would be like, oh, I might not. And, and someone would be like, I have like 32 non-negotiables, right? They have to be tall. They have to have broad shoulders. You know, like their eyes can't be too close together or too far apart. Like, you know, like they got to have the earlobes that have like the lobe and not just flat. Like they would just describe all these different non-negotiables. It has to be a Christian. Very important, right, by the way. It like has to be like, you know, like this and that. And the third, like I thought about it as like, dude, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than finding a man that fits all 32 of your non-negotiables, right? right? But these are things that they, like, like you, like, these are things that has to be, like, in the person that you want to marry, right? Mina had, like, some non-negotiables. I had three, right? My non-negotiables were, they had to be a believer, right? They had to really be a Christian that really is walking in faith. They had to be attractive to me, not to anybody else, but to me. And then they had to be fun. They had to make me laugh. Those are my only three non-negotiables, and it took me 36 years to find somebody, right? So, like, these, like, these are things that, like, had to be ingrained in the people that you want to marry. And Paul is saying, hey, if you're the body of Christ, Jesus is going to marry you, right? Jesus has non-negotiables, right? And he's like, these are the non-negotiables for the church, for the bride of Christ that I'm going to marry. He's saying you have to be humble. Humility is, like, one of the first things that God wants to see in his church. He doesn't want a church that's prideful. He doesn't want a church that's like talking to the world like, like this is the way that we're supposed to be. No. He wants a church that will go low and humble themselves. He wants a church that's gentle, right? With gentle and loving, patient, bearing with one another in love. He wants a church that's unified, that's together. He doesn't want to have like a bunch of different people arguing and, and clamoring over who's right or who's wrong. But he wants a church that's united as one. And he wants a church, we talked about it last year, he wants a church that's ministering, right? Not just 
like a church that's not just there to just receive, but one that takes their place and goes out and ministers. He's saying that the, the, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, evangelists, you know, and the, and the shepherds, they were all given to the church to equip the saints for the, the work of the ministry. Meaning that like, I'm here, and I'm not the only one that's supposed to minister. Right? I'm in full-time ministry, but I'm not. If, if my ministry is good, it's supposed to advance, if out of everybody that's in here, if it's only my ministry that's going to advance the kingdom of God, the church is like, it's messed up, right? Because I, I can only do so much. But, but it's like the multiplication effect. I'm supposed to equip in the church. The, the preachers and the evangelists are all there to, to, to equip the church and point them to Jesus and say, come on, now you're supposed to go and do what Jesus did. And Paul here, he's talking about the non-negotiables for the body of Christ. You know, humility, patience. And, and, we, and we go on to the next part of chapter 4, and he continues to talk about walking in a manner worthy of the calling that we've been called. And he talks about thinking, right? Thinking, right? How many people in here that believe that thinking is very important? Right? Thought life is one of the most important things as a person, right? There's a saying, like, I think, therefore I am. Who said that? Anybody, anybody like philosophy majors in here? Huh? Yeah, I don't know. I just know the quote. I don't know who said it, right? But it says, there's a quote, I forgot who it is, but it's just like, I think, therefore I am, right? Thinking and processing thought and process understanding is one of the most important things about makes us who we are. And Paul says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. He talks about the mind of the Gentiles. Now, when he talks about the Gentiles, he's not just talking about non-Jews, but basically at the time, he would, when he would talk about Gentiles, he'd be basically talking about non-Christians, people that don't know the Lord, people that don't know and haven't heard about Jesus, people that are just living their lives. And they, they were basically the, the, the Gentiles back then, right? Just the, the Greeks, the people that were like you know, having orgies and doing all of like the different things that were happening in, in like the, these debaucherous cities, like, you know, like, like Ephesus and Corinth. They were, they were very like worldly cities. Right? You think that New York City is worldly. You think that L.A. is worldly, right? It is. They are. They're very worldly. But back then, it was very worldly too, right? You know, like that same kind of worldliness that we have in our great cities existed back then in their great cities, right? And Ephesus was no different. This, this letter goes out to them, and, and he's talking about don't think like the way that the Gentiles are. Don't think like the way that the, the, the non-Christians or the non-Jews, like the, the people that don't know Jesus, don't think like them. And he's, he says that... and. and and, he, and we all know that, the, the, that thinking, right, like thinking and walking goes hand in hand. He's saying, like, don't think like they do. Don't think like they walk, right? Like, I am able to walk over here and shake Ted's hand because what? My thinking has told me to do this, right? It's not like, unless you have some kind of, like, serious medical condition or you're, like, sleepwalking, right? Usually thought evokes action, right? I... I like when, when I when I, when I want to eat something, right in my head, I go, "Oh, I'm hungry. I want to make a taco." And then my body goes to the kitchen and then does whatever it needs to do to make that taco, and I eat it. Right? Thinking and walking goes hand in hand, and and 
our walk, the walk that Paul's talking about, right? The walk is not just walking, but he's talking about living our lives. How, the, the things that we do, the actions that we take, the decisions that we make, the walk that he's talking about and thought life and thinking, is, it goes very hand in hand. How we live our lives is determined by the way we think. Meaning we just can't will ourselves to live good lives, but we need to be changed in our thinking the mind, our heart, and our understanding. Now, when we look at the words like mind and heart, we have to distinguish something here, right? The Western understanding of, like, mind and the Western Western and, like, the more modern understanding of heart and mind uh, distinguishes these things, right? There's, like, a, our heart. It's like, I heart you. It means I have these emotions and I have these feelings, right? These things that I feel here for you, this is this is my heart, right? And then there's thinking, thought, like, I think that, that, you know, like, I think this about you. I think this about that. I know this. This is my intellect. This is, this is a mind, right? They split up, the, up the, the two, basically, that we have a heart and we have a mind. However, the Bible does not divide man so easily. The Old Testament and the New Testament sees the word heart as a whole of the innermost part of man. Right? Not just the emotion, but the heart is a culmination of the different aspects of who we are coming together to be the center of our being, our innermost part. And that's what the Bible, that's what the Hebrews in, in the, the, the Old Testament talks about, the heart, and then even in the New Testament, the, the same word, it has that kind of a meaning. And the Bible understands that the heart is a combination of the mind, our thoughts, heart, our emotions, and our will. Okay, Mental processes, right? processing my mind and things that I want to do and things that I want to go after and things like I want to experience in life, right? These are all mental processes and and these are very important. It's a very big part of how we live our lives, right? And then emotions, right? Which goes hand in hand with our thinking, which are reactionary to our thinking. It's the experiential aspect of our thinking. We experience emotion, good or bad. We we feel emotions, right? You feel it. When when a girl breaks up with you, you feel I remember like, oh my first time I broke up with a girl would dump me, right? It was, it was in front of the YMCA. I was sixteen years old. I just started driving and we we were, we were working at the YMCA and I had my girlfriend and she broke and I remember like when she said, Oh like I don't want to date you anymore, I remember feeling it in my whole body, like oh like it was like like it affected every aspect of my being, right? And those emotions, like like the, our decision, like it, it, it's it's a part of our our heart, like the center of who we are. And emotion and thinking can't be separated. No matter how much you want to not feel something, if you think something, you gonna feel it, right? You might think like, oh, I think this about I think this about about him, but I don't trust him. But I know that he's a good guy. But I don't. It's because somewhere deep inside your mind, you know something about him, right? That's the feeling of distrust that you have it comes from something that you know, right? That it, it's connected. The Hebrews, they keep it connected. And the will, the part of who we are, where, where decisions are made, it goes hand in hand with our mind and our emotions. Uh, we're not like computers where there's a set program that determines our action, but our decisions and actions and what we do and how we live all flow from an amalgamation of thought and emotion that comes together to produce the actions that we produce. And the Bible calls this the heart. The Hebrews calls it they call it lay, and it's like it's defined as the innermost man, mind, will, heart, and understanding. In the Greek, it's called cardia, and it is very similar. It's a center 
or the seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind, as it is the fountain and seat of thought, passion, desires, appetites, purpose, and endeavors. Right? This is a heart. And this is what Paul's talking about. When he's talking about like mind and heart, he's talking about the whole thing. He's talking about our innermost being. Right? And there needs to be a change in that. And the Bible tells us to guard our hearts, right? Guard your heart because out of it flows the, the wellspring of life. Like your life is going to basically flow out of your heart, right? Your, your, your life flows out not based on like what your parents want you to do or, or like, you know, what your wife wants to do or like what your ki- kids think that you should do or like, whatever it is, like what your teacher or like your, your life flows from basically what is formed inside of your heart. Right? If your heart wants to go and club it up all night, you're going to do that, right? If, if your heart wants to, like, you know, experience things that, like, you're not supposed to experience, then your body's going to follow. Right? And so he says, guard your heart. And then Jesus says, uh, he says, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Right? So it's basically saying the same thing. It's like, dude, whatever is in your heart is what's going to come out of you. And our thinking is a part of the heart and is part of the center of who we are, the center of where our lives flow out of. And Paul here is telling us that our thinking needs to change. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, have given themselves to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kinds of impurity. He's like, dude, that needs to change. Now let's get into this. All right, in verse 17 through 19, what I just read, Paul gives us like a very good description of the mind of like the non-Christian, the unregenerate man, the man, the worldly man, right? The, the, the lost man, the man that's actually going to hell, the man that doesn't know Jesus, has no desire to know Jesus, and is on a, 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 on a path to hell. And Paul describes this man. Now, in essence, it's not a description of this man, but what Paul's talking about is a description of what we no longer are. Paul's saying, this, you no longer are this, right? He's describing this person, and at the heart of the message is, dude, this is not you. This, you no longer are this person, but you're something else. You're new, right? You're not this anymore. Don't be like this, because you're no longer like this. You're no longer this way. And what Paul, and what, and, and at the end, what does Paul talk about regarding what we are no longer like? What is he talking about? And the first thing that he talks about, he says the futility of the mind. Everybody say futility of the mind. Futility is worthless. Ends in nothingness. It means vanity. It means vain, right? It's like, like Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon's like vanity. Everything is vanity. Everything, like everything in the world is just nothing. It ends up in vapor. The word vanity actually in the Hebrew is like a description of like smoke. You know, like smoke is what? It's actually is nothing, right? You see it, you smell it, but at the end it's like, it's like vapors, right? And some, some translation like describe it as vapor, right? And it's saying that everything in this world is just like, it's just vanity, right? And that's what futility is. It ends in no, to no avail Futility of the mind is basically saying that everything that we are thinking, striving after, wanting to create, wanting to make meaningful in our lives, ends in worthlessness. It ends in nothing. I heard a pastor say this. Futility is a really good quote I found. Futility of mind is when man is forever and always trying to be happy, 
while being an enemy of God. Futility is the way of the world. They are full of thoughts that are empty, vain, and useless. All those things that people of the world are going after, wealth, you know, like a career, style, fame, Instagram followers, Facebook followers, right? In the end, it all ends up in worthless as nothing. You can put all of the thoughts and effort into something at the end. It ultimately ends in futility. Right? I was going to actually not talk about this example, but it actually really is such a, such a good example that I had to, to say it, right? I used, to be a, I used to be very, like, I used to be a drug addict, right? I used to be, do a lot of crazy drugs. And one of the drugs I did was crystal meth. And, like, you know, I, I used to know a lot of people that would do crystal meth, and they call them tweakers, right? And what, they, what happens when you do crystal meth is that you become extremely mentally heightened, and you think that you could do anything, right? And then you stay up for many nights. And then what, they, what these people would do is, I remember I was seeing somebody do this, and I just sat there and watching him do it. But for like five hours, they would look at a VCR. They would go, oh, VCR. They would take it, and they would take it apart. They would sit there like looking at all the different intricate part of the VCR, and they would just like take it apart and think, and trying to, in their mind, they're thinking like, oh, I want to, something's going to happen, and something's going to cre- be created from me taking apart this VCR. And then like five hours later, when the drug wears out, they're like, well, uh, and then you're just left with a broken VCR, right? I, I used to see people do this all the time. I saw, I, I had a friend that took apart a perfectly good Nintendo, right? Back then, like, you know, it was like PlayStation 3 was out and PlayStation 2, right? Nintendo was not, but we, we were, it, it was still cool. And he would just take apart a perfectly good Nintendo that was working. And at the end, he's like, it's, it's like, oh, it's broken. I'm like, what did you do, right? But it's like this thing where he, in his mind, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in his drug-like ridden mind, he thinks that there's something is happening. When he takes apart, apart this VCR and he's like, oh, I'm gonna, something's going to happen when I take this apart and then I'm going to put it back together and, it, and it's going to become a better system and all of a sudden it just doesn't work anymore. But in a sense, that's what, that is the same way of all of the thoughts of man outside of God is futility. It ends in nothingness. People try to get famous, right? Leave my mark in this world. Lady Gaga, I heard a quote by Lady Gaga. said she was going to be famous no matter what. No matter what. Right? She was like 14 years old. She said, I don't care what I have to do. No matter what, I am going to be famous. And what happened? Dude, she became famous. Lady Gaga is everywhere, right? I don't even really like know much of her songs. There's one song that comes out in the Sing soundtrack. Like, you know, the kids movie sing there's like the da la ba 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 and the pig does his dance ethan used to sing it and i was like what song is that and it's lady gaga song right but lady gaga got super famous right she's all over the place imagine if like like somewhere down the road lady gaga dies right she dies after being this famous right and all of a sudden vh1 10 years later vh1 does a documentary on lady gaga like the life of lady gaga from her from her like beginning to her fame to her downfall, whatever it is. And then people start to remember Lady Gaga. Like, oh man, I remember Lady Gaga. She was alright. She was like, you know, like she's kind of weird, but I like I remember Norris. And then people like they're like people in generations to come, like they were like actually know about J- Lady Gaga, right? Well, that's awesome. Lady Gaga. But how does that help Lady Gaga when she's sitting in hell for an eternity? You guys have to understand that everything that you try to produce in this world outside of Jesus ends in nothing. If I just had that car, if I just had that career, if, if she would just say yes to me when I asked her, or if she would just say yes if, if, when I asked her to marry me. No, Rian, I can never say it. Rian asked Tine to marry her, and she said yes, right? Yeah! 
was so happy when I saw that, right? But imagine, they get married. You know, they have this amazing life. They buy a house. They have kids. They have grandkids. They have great-great-grandkids. And, and, and they have this long life together, and it's just beautiful. It's like a, it's like, it's like one of those like you know romantic movies, or it's just just perfect ending. And they're like, yeah. And then they're like sitting in their in their deck chairs when they're like 94, and then they're just like they just pass away together at the same time. But if they don't know Jesus Christ, outside of Jesus Christ, even that kind of a life, it means nothing. It really is. All the things that we thought were so important ends with futility. That's the mind of the unregenerate man. The mind of the lost man. It doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. A very intelligent person made Facebook. Right? Very rich. A very intelligent person made Instagram, right? And, we use it. and all of the things that are on Facebook and all the things that are in Instagram and, and all of the, the things that are like the... Like, in, like, so intelligent, right? This is his brain. Like, they're so smart. And so, in the end, it all ends in futility. All of the great thoughts and even the most important pictures and all of the things on Snapchat and all the things that, man, values so much now. Like, we're on Instagram all the time, man. Even me. I'm just like, oh, I wonder what's on Instagram, right? Insta story. I don't have time to, like, read things. I just want to see pictures, right? All of these things, at the end, ends in futility. Ends in nothing. We are on this face of this earth for a blip of a moment. And the, in the scheme of things, our time on earth is like a grain of sand on the beaches of, 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 of Kwangan, right? Like when the kids bury me in the sand, there's like, a, I don't know, I'm pretty sure there's like a billion little grains of sand on my body, right? And I have a big body. But it's just like, like our life is literally a grain of sand in, in the whole scheme of things. It's just like a grain of sand it, it throughout all the beaches of of, of Kwangali. We're here for just a blip of a moment. And no matter how special we think you are, I'm telling you, we will be forgotten to the world. Like what we did, the thoughts that we have, the accomplishments that we made, the, 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 the things that we went after, for the mass majority of us, unless we like become super famous and like, you know, we become some kind of iconic figures that gets remembered. Like majority, the mass majority of us will be forgotten. Do you know how I know that? Who in here knows the names of their your great grandparents? Anybody? Anybody in here know? This is your family. If anybody in the world right now should know the names of your great grandparents, it should be you. I'm not gonna know, right? Like, like, you know, anybody is you're the you're the descendant of your great grandparents. If anybody should know their name, it should be you. But how many in your know the names of their great grandparents? Very few. Just a small handful of people actually know the names of their great grandparents, right? Because in in essence, they're forgotten. Right? They we, we like you know like we remember them in only in the sense that we came from them. Do you know? Do you know the thoughts that they had? Do you know the the the, the accomplishments that they? Had? Do you know the the things that they loved? Do you know the things that they went after? The things that they found like 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 you know like all of the great things that made up who they are? Do they continue on? Do you we remember them? No. We, you're here for a blip of a second, and everything that we do outside of Jesus Christ 
is futility. Our minds, our thoughts, our desires, aspirations, everything outside of Jesus, it ends in futility. 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were a ransom from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter's saying, like, dude, like, this is, you got inherited by your parents and your forefathers and, and the people that came. Like you, you, what you inherited from them was futility. Everything that they went after, everything that you, they passed down onto you is futility. Unless it's in Jesus Christ. The mind and everything that the mind produces in the life of an unsaved person ends in futility. There is no peace for the wicked, says in Isaiah 48.22. It's just the way that God made things. No matter what we can try to produce in this world for ourselves, outside of God and His grace and Jesus Christ our Lord, there is no true peace. There is no true joy. We will not be happy. There's moments where people can be happy for like a moment. There's, there's, there's things that can you, people can accomplish. If you make a lot of money, I'm sure they can be happy for a season, for a little bit. But it does not produce in you lasting joy, lasting happiness, lasting blessedness. I read an article about, like, you know, because it's, it's like being rich and happy is it's a very complicated issue, right? Like many different factors go into it. You can't just say, oh, rich people are happy. Or you can't say, like, even though you're rich, you can't be happy, right? There, there isn't, it's a very complicated thing, right? Depending on the culture you're from, depending on what kind of, like, you know, background that you come from, it's very complicated. But there was an article that talked, that basically looked at a response from a lot of rich people. They asked a lot of re- really rich people, like people that probably made, like, millions of dollars a year. They asked them these questions, like, what is it like to be rich? And these, these were the things that came up out of majority of the answers that they gave on this thread. There was a thread of people just kind of chiming in. To, the, to this article, and it said, money does not make you happier, relationships do. After you are rich, you take it for granted like you would take great parents for granted. Having a lot of money, these are all different little things that came out, like, like thoughts. Having a lot of money makes you want to make more. When rich people start dying, they become less proud of their wealth. Rich people get all of the same sadness, but they don't hurt as much because they're still rich. After you get rich, you still feel the same. If you are rich because of your salary, you end up working all that all the time. After you get rich, you will still ask, is this it? And no matter how much money we make, or, or we win the Powerball. I don't know, Powerball in America is like $300 million, $400 million. Or you become famous like Michael Jackson or Lady Gaga. In the end, it all ends in futility without Jesus. The world walks in futility of the mind. Their thoughts, all of the things. Like you remember, in, in, we read the, about the Tower of Babel, right? Like in, in our Bible reading recently in Genesis, right? And these people came together like, oh man, we're gonna make ourselves. We're gonna we we discovered brick. Right? When you when you like heat this, it becomes super hard, and we're gonna use brick and mortar, and we're gonna create a tower, and it's like it's gonna be amazing. And it's gonna higher and higher and higher, and at the end, it just let what it is it just ended up as nothing. Anything that we are trying to value and, 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 and make like important in our lives, outside of Jesus, it really is utility. And then what does Paul says? It says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance 
that is in them. Paul describes the mind of the unregenerate man as one that is darkened in their understanding. Like light is revelation, right? Light is revelation. Light is understanding. Darkness is ignorance. It's foolishness. It's, it's, it's futility. And Paul says that the unregenerate man, the person that doesn't know Jesus, right, is the one doesn't have the ability to understand the things of God. The things, the wisdom of God does not, are, is not able to understand the life of God. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but in himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God is the ultimate and only true wisdom. Who believes that the smartest person or smartest being that ever existed in the universe ever is God? And who believes that the smartest... Anybody in here? If you guys are not putting your hands up in the air, something's wrong with you, right? God is the smartest person, most intelligent. His wisdom is the ultimate wisdom, right? There is no true wisdom outside of God's wisdom. Right? And the world has its wisdom. The Bible says that there's worldly wisdom. But in the end, the worldly wisdom, what, it ends up in foolishness. It ends up in folly. It ends up in destruction. Imagine you have a history test. Right? Imagine yourself back in college. You have to take a history test, a world history test. And instead of studying the world history textbook, you study the history of the Klingon Empire in the Star Trek anthology, right? That is a comic book, right? And no matter how much you study the history of the Klingon Empire in the Star Trek anthology, right? You could read that thing like ten times. You can have it memorized. It is not going to help you in your world history test, right? And that's the way it is. Like, like living this life with worldly wisdom is like that. It's like that's the life of of life based on worldly wisdom. And Paul, what Paul is saying is that the man without Jesus does not have the ability to understand God's wisdom. He doesn't have the world history textbook. All he has is the comic book talking about Klingons and the weapons that they have and all of the spaceships that they have. When the actual test is about world history, what did Abraham Lincoln do? What did Napoleon do, right? And Paul is saying, that's not you. He said, you are not darkened in your understanding. You are not futile in your mind. Right? You, you are not, like, you're, you're not unable to discern, discern the things of God because you have who? You have the Holy Spirit. He is able to understand the thoughts of God. 1 Corinthians 2.10, it says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world. What we have not received is not the, 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 the Spirit of the, the Klingon Empire, and the Star Trek anthology, but, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit in us leads us into the wisdom of God. 
we are able to read and understand the Word of God. We're able to grasp the ways of God, understand what is important to God, what is not futile and what is futile. We're able to discern that because we have the Holy Spirit within us. We are not darkened in our understanding, but we have access to the ultimate understanding, the only understanding that is worthwhile and is not futile. And then Paul says, and he continues on, he says, then Paul, he says that it all, it's all because of their, the hardness of their heart. Now this doesn't mean that worldly people are just not emotional. Because there's a lot of emotional people out there, right? But it's the condition of man when we are born. We are born as enemies of God. We have a hardened heart, and our heart is not for God. It's actually against God. The natural condition of our heart is one that is against God, is, is, is with enmity with God. Romans 8, 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile, is enmity to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Romans 10, 5, 10 says that we're enemies of God, that, that, that we were once enemies of God, and yet God saved us. Right? This is a hardened heart that he's talking about. That is against God. Paul says, They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Some of you guys in here, God is telling you something, and you continue to harden your heart. You're actually making an enemy of God. It doesn't happen overnight, but slowly, you you go against the voice of God, you're going to slowly not be able to hear the voice of God. And you're going to find yourself walking away from the will of God in your life. His guidance, His covering, because you harden you in your heart. God is speaking to you, but you're like you're hardening your heart, right? It's it's just you're make, actually making an enemy of God. And it's how people go from going to church every Sunday to going to the club every Sunday. Right? How you go from people that that believe in Jesus and are living life for Jesus, and all of a sudden they're just like they're just falling away and it's from this hardness of heart. And you look at the world today, and we see that the world is getting worse and worse, getting more and more hostile to God, and more and more of an enemy of God, with sensuality, sexuality. You know, it's like, it's getting worse. It's everywhere. Even, like, like we're allowing, like, like six-year-olds, seven-year-olds to, like, have access to pornography. Right? We're, we're, we see it everywhere in Korea. We were at Hongdae the other day. Korea used to be, like, such a, like a, like a, like a very like conservative country. We were walking through Honda and we all these saw these signs. We're like, everything that became anything in that role where our church is is like a hookup club. It's not even a club. It's a, it's a basically a club where people can go like as individuals and get like fixed together with like a, a stranger. And then you go off and you and you do whatever you, you know you do as you know like people that go into those kind of places. Right? There was a sign that said like you know like pretty young girls get to come in like first. You know like. It's just, it's just going down. The world is getting worse. In America, it's harder and harder and harder for people to stand upon their biblical beliefs. The whole country is actually changing. Laws are changing. And it's actually, it's just, it's this hardening of heart. We're actually, like there's a good number of the world that's actually becoming more and more, becoming more of an enemy of God. And man in his heart and heart is following down a path that is against God and the ways of God. And it leads to death. It leads to futility. All of it is for nothing. And it's not even for nothing. All of it is actually for eternal death and punishment. 
Now you guys have to understand, there is a hell. Do you know that there is a hell? This should wake you up. There is a hell. Who, who, who does not believe in hell in here? Right? I believe in hell. It's in the Bible. Jesus said there's a place where, you know, lake of fire, where, there, where there's the gnashing of teeth. I don't know exactly what that meant, but there's, there's weeping down there, and it's where all of the, the, the wicked and the bad people go. And, I don't know, gnashing of teeth. But there is a hell. There is eternal separation. It's eternal, like literally being cut off from God. And, and what Paul is saying is everything that is not in Christ is basically that. It's futile. It ends with just forever nothingness. It's futility. And then Paul says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. The truth is in Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. The truth is in him. What makes our lives not futile isn't how hard you work. Actually is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that makes our lives not futile. What makes our minds redeemed is Jesus Christ. What is what he's what makes all of the different he makes all of the difference in our lives. What he did for us, he is truth. All of the great worldly minds out there, right? They're trying to make sense of the universe. Right? There's a hadron collider in like Sweden or Switzerland where there's like this long like pipe and they're trying to crash two atoms together and see what happens. They think that they're gonna figure out where the big bang happened. They're thinking to figure out evolution and what uh, not all of the minds, all of the philosophical minds out there trying to make sense of, of the world and life and what does life all mean? It all is futility. The only truth is in Jesus. He is the truth. He brings us into eternal blessedness. He brings us true joy that is eternal. He brings us the only significance for our lives that really matter. It's eternally. And he even said, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is the only truth that is not futile. All of the other truths out there is futility. All of the tr- other truths out there ends in nothingness. It's in Him. Everything outside of Him is meaningless. He is the truth. With Him, we have everything. Without Him, we have nothing. And, and then Paul says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When we put out our faith in Jesus Christ, we're not just supposed to follow a, a like a new set of rules. Right? Who who thought that when they became saved? I did when I was young. I thought that when, when I was really immature and I was a young Christian, I I thought that when well Christians are supposed to live this way, they're supposed to do these things. They're not supposed to do those things, right? Those are bad Christians, right? Those are the backslidden Christians. But real Christians, they do these things, right? But when we truly put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's not supposed to, it's not, we're not supposed to just follow a new set of rules or act differently. What happens when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts? First, what happens? We have to make Him Lord, right? 
we have to make him Lord of the of our lives. He has to be in control. Like remember, who sings that song? Jesus, take the wheel. Who sings that song, right? I forget what her name, but he he has to take the wheel. He has to be in control of our lives, right? Like we can't we can't be like Fro like like Jesus can't be like Samwise following Frodo to Mount Mordor, right? Right? Jesus is not just on your journey while you go wherever you want to go. No, Jesus is actually in the driver's seat, and you're actually in the back seat. And you're saying, "Where are we going, Jesus?" And Jesus is like, "Well, you'll see. Let's go together." So we have to, like, like when we put our faith in Jesus, guys, it's about lordship. It's about putting Him in control. And the Bible says that we're supposed to become a a new what? A new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're not supposed to just act different. We are supposed to be transformed. Like a butterfly. There's a book that I've read to Ethan, I believe, 1,000 times so far. I don't know if it's 1,000 times. Maybe at least like three, 400 times. It's called The Hungry Little Butterfly by Eric Carle. Who knows the book, right? It's about a caterpillar that comes, hungry caterpillar, hungry caterpillar, sorry, hungry caterpillar. He comes out and he eats, you know, he, he eats a leaf and he eats all of these different things. And at the end, he gets sick and then he eats some more leaves. And then he makes himself a little cocoon. And then and after a couple of weeks, he comes out, he's a beautiful butterfly. And every time I read it, we always say it together. And he's a beautiful butterfly, right? But we're not supposed to be caterpillars that are now trying to fly. But we're supposed to be transformed into a butterfly. Butterflies don't try to fly. They just fly, right? And when Jesus Christ truly came into your life, you became a new creation. Paul tells us to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner and all of the... the corrupt and the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In Christ, you are a new creation. The things that belong to your former manner of life has gone, is no more. And what God is trying to do, if you would let him, is trying to transform you. He doesn't want you to try to fly as a caterpillar. But he wants to renew. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to transform your heart. So that you know who you are. A butterfly. Butterflies don't crawl on the ground. How many of you guys have seen a butterfly that crawls on the ground from one flower to another flower? They fly. They know that they can fly. Because then they're like, oh, I'm no longer a caterpillar. I am a butterfly. And as a butterfly, I can fly. And that's what God is trying to do in our minds and in our hearts. He's trying to say, dude, you're no longer that. You're no longer a caterpillar. You're no longer that creed. You know all of the things, the deceitful desires and all of the corrupt things that happened that, that, that was a part of you. You're no longer that. Jesus Christ came into your life. Now you are a new creation. You have a new self. I want to renew you so that you see yourself as your new creation. To know that we are not created to think and value the things of the world. We were not saved to go after the things of the world that, that the world thinks is important. But for us to focus and live by the only truth that truly matters. The only truth that is not futile, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only truth in our lives that is not futile. And he's saying, you know what? 
like like your old way of thinking, your old self, your old mindset, all the things that came from your old self and, and all of the old things have gone. In Christ, you've been transformed. You're not a caterpillar. You're a butterfly. You don't have to crawl. You can fly. I believe I can fly. Woo! You know what? You have to believe that you can fly. He's the only thing. He is the only truth. Paul says it. The truth is in Jesus. He is the only truth that matters in this world. I end here for today. Next week, we're going to talk about when he, when he, he says that in verse 24, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is, you're, you're a butterfly. Right? You're actually created in the likeness of God. And righteousness and holiness. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want to end with this. Being renewed in the spirit of our minds requires us to set our minds on the things of God. You guys, you have to understand that. In order for our minds to think in the ways of God, our mind has to dwell on the things of God. Our heart has to dwell on the things of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. It's a collage. Paul tells us things like this a lot in his writings. Right? In Philippians 4, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. He's saying, don't set your mind, don't set your thinking on the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where we set our minds and the things that we allow our minds to dwell on is very important. Now, I want to encourage you today, the Word of God, the Bible, allowing the Word of God to continually dwell in your heart is one of the most important ways that we will renew our minds. Not just our thinking, not just our emotions, but remember the Hebrew way of understanding the heart is our innermost being, the innermost part of who we are. If we want that innermost part of our who we are to be changed, you have to allow the Word of God to talk to that innermost part of our, of our being. We will not have true renewal in that place within us without the Word of God speaking to that place within us. And I said it before, the Bible is living and active, and it has... Within it, you know, so many things that God wants to tell us. In this Bible, there are so many things, so many truths, so many things that God wants to tell us so that our minds and our heart, our innermost being will be renewed. Our thinking, our emotions, our will, how we see the world, what we find as a treasure in this world. There's things in here that when we allow it to, to just remain in our hearts, it will actually renew that innermost being so that, you know what, we don't, we don't actually try to do things, but we just do because it's out of flowing out of that innermost place in our hearts. Now, being a Christian is really hard if you're just trying to do good things. I've tried that for years of my life. It doesn't work well. It doesn't go well with you. But what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying here is, dude, be transformed. Allow God to transform you. Allow God to change that innermost part of who you are. And it's not going to happen overnight. But you know what? It will happen. 
as you set your minds on things that are above, as you set your mind on the Word of God, when you allow His presence and who He is to continue to dwell in that place. And let's start to set our minds on the one truth, the only truth in this world that is not futile. Jesus Christ, our Lord and cornerstone, our Savior. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is the name. We, we sing about it. He is the name above all names. He's the only name that matters. You know that? You know Facebook and Instagram? Facebook is actually going down. Nobody like, people don't check Facebook no more. It's all about Insta, right? Instagram. Well, you know, Instagram would like just be a distant memory one day. You know, remember MySpace? Remember Friendster? Right? Yeah, that goes way back, right? Remember Zanga? And like all, all of these things that like people used to do to try to stay connected, right? Like, like uh, MSN Messenger or all these. Oh, yeah, all that. It all, what is it? It's nothingness, right? It doesn't even exist anymore. The things that we put our, our time and our value in, so many of the things that we put our effort into means will ultimately end in futility. Only truth that matters in this world is Jesus Christ. The truth is in Him. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. I am the truth. Look look at me. And I, I guarantee you, when you start to focus your heart, you know, the Hebrew understanding of heart, that innermost man, your thinking, your emotions, your will, the decisions that you make, when you start to focus your heart on Jesus, and there will be a transformation. You will start to, you know, you will start to come out of that cocoon. You know, like, I'm not, have you ever seen a cocoon, like a butterfly come out of a cocoon? It really kind of, it's, it's beautiful, right? He comes out, and he still looks like, he's still kind of, he still kind of looks like a, a cocoon, and then all you know. And his amazing thing is, it comes out white, and then color starts to come. Like if it's like one of those orange butterflies, it starts to spread its wings, and then like it goes from white, and then and then the color starts to come, and all of a sudden it goes, and it just starts to fly. Like it doesn't take like a week; it just instantly, it's just like, and all of a sudden it's a butterfly, right? We gotta go through that. We gotta allow God. To, to, you know, like the seasons of you really digging into the Word and the seasons of you really just going after God. Is that time in the cocoon? You need to have that those moments in the cocoon where you're like, oh, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, without you, I'm nothing. Jesus, like my life sucks. I feel bad. You have to have those moments where you're vulnerable and you're broken before the Lord. And you're like, God, like, like all of this seems like nothing to me. What do I do? I need you. And then God will take you into that place. He will take you into a place of intimacy. He'll take you into a place where he's, he starts to really speak to you. And you're going to have that moment where you're like, you come out and you're like, dude, I'm a butterfly. I have a relationship with Jesus. I see Jesus. I could fly. I believe I could fly. Whoa, you know? And, and I, wanted to, I want us to be a people that consciously realizes that the more we set our minds on futile things, our actions are going to go that way. You know, I'm not saying, like, forget everything. Forget your friends. Forget your job. You know, like, don't just, 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 you know, nah, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that, like, you have to start to realize what is futile and what actually is value. In this. And one of the things, the quotes from that article I read really shine through, relationship is the only thing that matters. 
I, when I heard that, I was like, dude, this is probably non-Christian saying this. But you know, the only thing that really matters in life is relationship. The only thing that's really going to carry you through to eternity is relationship. I will see Ted in heaven. I will see Tiffany in heaven. If you're a non-Christian and I and then I somehow like 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 evangelize you and you get saved, I will see you in heaven. Relationships, people, are the things that that you know. In the end, the things that we can actually like like place important in our our things is like is people and our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God. You know. It really is, is breaking out of that futile mind, the mind of futility, and getting into a place where we're like, hey, it's eternal thinking. It's like, you know what? I can get caught up in all of this drama, and I can get caught up in all these things that's like out there, and like, I can start to really get, you know, like, like, like into this stuff where I, you know what? Those things can be around me, and I can actually be in this place, but I can start to really value my time and my effort and my energy and start to, Focus it on things that are not futile, but that will last into eternity. It's Jesus, and it's and it's people, and it's relationship. Let's pray. So I'll stand up and I'll close us with the prayer and benediction.